Life can be stressful, even under normal circumstances. 2020 has challenged even the most difficult times of life. You need stress relief that goes beyond quick fixes. That's Headspace. Headspace is one of the only meditation apps advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research and can reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being. Go to headspace.com slash C-suite for a free one-month trial. Headspace.com slash C-suite. This is the Rich Dad Radio Show, the good news and bad news about money. Here's Robert Kiyosaki. Hello, hello, hello. This is Robert Kiyosaki, the Rich Dad Radio Show, the good news and bad news about money. And so our show today is about how is President Trump doing? You know, some people love him. Some people think he's doing a great job. Some people say he's horrible. He's the worst I've ever seen. And some of them say we're going on the road to hell. So it's going to be a very interesting show. It's kind of a report card, an update on how the Donald is doing. So our guest today is a man who knows what he's talking about. It's David Stockman. He's the best-selling author. He is a Washington insider. He was a former director of office of the Office of Management and Budget under President Reagan. Some people say the greatest Republican president we've had in modern times. So. David Stockman, is the, he's, he wrote the book, The Great Deformation, The Corruption of Capitalism in America. And I sent David a picture of my book of The Great Deformation. It has tabs all over the place. That book you can use as an anchor to hold an aircraft carrier down. It's so big. And I, I went through that book, and it blew my mind to read the book, The Great Deformation. You know, he wrote another book called Trumped, A Nation on the Brink of Ruin and How to Bring It Back. And he is the author of a new book, Peak Trump. He likes this guy a lot. The Undrainable <laughs> Swamp and the Fantasy of MAGA, which is Make America Great Again. So David Stockman is one of my favorite, favorite guests because, as I said, he was on the inside of what they called the Reagan Revolution. You know, it was when, when Reagan pulled America out of a great – we were screwed up back in those days. Horrible, horrible, high inflation. It was where the nation was coming apart. So Reagan is credited for bringing – America back together again. So he's going to be speaking today about a friend of mine, the President Donald. And I said, David, you can say anything you like because this is the Rich Dad Radio Show where we have no uh, political affiliation. Right, Kim? Yes. And, and David's a wealth of information. So we're going to get started right away because David um, actually has been in Washington since 1973. So he's seen a lot. He's seen a lot of presidents, been around a lot. And uh, He's, he's talking uh, from really his experience and what's happening, not just an opinion. So, David, welcome to the show. Great. Happy to be with you. Thank There's you. Lots to talk about, that's for sure. We so, do. So what is, yeah. what is peak Trump about, the, un, the undrainable swamp and the fantasy of make America great again? You know, that's, I mean, is, yeah. has, has well, the swamp I won? Pretty, I, I think it's pretty simple. If you remember on the eve of the campaign, Trump was campaigning from one side of the country to the other. He said, we're facing one big, fat, ugly bubble. He was right. But at that point, the stock market, the S&P 500, was 2140. He correctly identified that we had an unsustainable bubble on Wall Street. Main Street was in big trouble. That's why he got elected. That's why people in Wisconsin, Michigan, western Pennsylvania, the old industrial uh, heartland of America, voted for him. But then, once in office, he made a gigantic rookie mistake by embracing the bubble he inherited when the risk is, uh, I think, overwhelming that it's going to blow up in his face. In other words, two years later, September 2018, last fall, the S&P 500 peaked at 2940. In other words, it was up 800 points in the first two years, and uh, it was only a worse, more dangerous, uh, you know, less sustainable bubble than the one that he identified during the campaign. Now, but, some people want to say, well, but he's changed everything. But, but the problem is he hasn't. I mean, I think he had the intention. Uh, I think he was responding to an enormous failure of mainstream 
Keynesian liberal Washington policy, but uh, he's only made the deficit worse. He inherited a $700 billion deficit, which was terrible this late in a business cycle. You know, we're in year 10. We're in month 115 of this so-called recovery expansion, the second longest in history. At that stage of the game, even the Keynesian professors always said, you got to reduce the deficit or even balance the budget. But instead of uh, doing the, the right thing about that, he you know, doubled down, put through the tax cut, which was fine, but it wasn't financed. It should have been financed with spending cuts or a more uh, benign uh, source of revenue like a consumption tax. Didn't do that, just added $300 billion of deficit on what he inherited for the current year. Then he said, I, we need more defense. Well, that was crazy. It, it, the reason I call the book The Undrainable Swamp is the truth about the Washington Swamp and he's absolutely right on when he talks about that, is that the deep end of the swamp is on the other side of the Potomac over at the Pentagon. That's where the real waste, and that's where the whole military-industrial surveillance complex lives, uh, all the defense contractors and people that are living uh, off the taxpayer's dollar. But he doubled down on that by adding $80 billion to the defense budget, which was already $600 billion and far more than we needed. But, and here's the big but, to get it, he had to give the mainstream Republicans, who uh, I call them rhinos, Republicans in name only, because they're really, <laughs> uh, you know, they're unwilling to stand up to the spending monster. And the Democrats, he gave them $65 billion of increased domestic spending in return for his $80 billion of defense per year now. And then we had all those disasters, as you remember, the hurricanes and floods and so forth uh, last year. So they threw another $100 billion on top of that and didn't find any way to finance it. They just borrowed the money. So what I'm saying is that he inherited a very bad situation at $700 billion of debt uh, deficit this year, raised it to $1.2 trillion, 6% of GDP, unheard of at this late stage of the cycle. And then to add insult to injury, both Trump and the Republican majority on Capitol Hill utterly failed to recognize that the Fed had uh, delayed and deferred and dithered on normalizing interest rates and its balance sheet for so long, you know, because they were trying to help Obama look good, I think. At least that's what Trump said, and I think it's a fair criticism. They had reached the point where they had to pivot from quantitative easing, where they were buying up the debt in the market and thereby helping finance the Treasury's borrowing, to reducing their balance sheet, which means that they're going to be selling uh, debt or government bonds into the uh, Wall Street market, and thereby putting even more pressure on interest rates. Now, to put this in Wait, wait, so what, so what, terms, hey, David, I, David, David, when, yeah, yeah. when they buy, when the Fed buys U.S. bonds, treasuries, from the, right. from the, from the U.S. Treasury, that creates a bubble in the, tre in the bond market, is that correct? Yeah, absolutely, because yeah. it's another source of demand that's based on fiat credit. In other words, right. if Fake you're money. an investor, you want to buy treasury bonds, you either got to sell something else or save some new money in order to have the means to buy the bonds. Well, so, the Fed... The Fed just says, uh, I want to buy a billion bonds today, a billion dollars worth of bonds, and I'll print a billion dollars worth of credit and give it to the Wall Street dealers that uh, sell me the bonds. So that, that really creates an artificial uh, saving supply that obviously then the law of supply and demand works. You know, it wasn't repealed. If there's a lot more demand for uh, Treasury debt because it's all coming from the Fed, and uh, then, uh, obviously, uh, bond prices are improved, uh, the yields go down, you get a bubble, and then it spreads to the rest of the market. But what happened was, so David, people were borrowing money because their yield was so low. Right, yeah. And so, that, and so that created a bubble in the stock market, real estate market, the private equity market, everywhere that when, when the, the Fed was in quantitative easing, right. they created this bubble out of fake money floating around the place. Now yeah, they're that, in quantitative tightening, which means right. they're selling their bonds back into right. the market. Right. What does that do now? It re 
reverses the uh, dynamics. It reverses the flow. In other words, when the Fed was helping to buy, it was driving prices up. Now it's selling. Obviously, when when someone starts selling a lot of paper uh, that used to be a buyer, that changes the supply-demand uh, dynamics of the market. So what's happening now is there's enormous downward pressure on uh, uh, bond prices, and yields have gone up. Now I realize that they were at 325 on the 10-year a few uh, months ago, but on a trend basis, yields have been going up for the last year and a half as the Fed has begun the process of shrinking its balance sheet. Well, what, does that you, mean, what does that mean to Main Street? That's uh, we're, we're, You're talking to me here. I yeah, need to understand. What it means is that the 10-year bond of the uh, U.S. Treasury is what's called the benchmark security. And what that means is that if the Treasury bond is yielding, let's say, 2.8% interest today, then almost everything else in the bond market gets priced on a spread, in other words, a number of basis points uh, above that, because, you know, the Treasury is considered the risk-free security. So if you're a double-A corporation, then if the Treasury is at 2.8%, maybe you can borrow at 3.8%. Yeah, so your cost, your cost of money goes up, so the yeah. people... Yeah, everybody, so everybody's uh, cost of borrowing cost is going to go up commensurately and sometimes far more Does that than s- the increase in the Treasury. And, and, bit, and, yeah. But doesn't that slow down the economy? Yeah, because why did they do it? Well, they said, well, we're trying to goose the uh, housing market and uh, force uh, mortgage rates lower so more people uh, will borrow in other, to either buy a new uh, home or to uh, trade up uh, from the one they're in. Um, and uh, the same way they were trying to stimulate uh, corporate borrowing. But it, see, the thing is, it backfired. The household sector was so indebted at the uh, end of the crisis still had 15 trillion of debt that it didn't uh, the household sector except for the top 10 percent or so of households were not in a position to borrow a lot more money even though the fed was lowering the interest rates dramatically through this qe so that so then now they've raised interest rates yeah and, and then so, this uh, and then trump yells at this guy powell saying yeah, hey don't yeah. raise interest rates yeah but see, the thing is, it didn't work. Uh, it it actually caused the bubble to be enlarged, uh, to be uh, uh, amplified, because even the corporate sector said, "Oh, you know, the the yield on our bonds is going down quite substantially because the Fed has so got its heavy hand in the market." But instead of borrowing money to invest, let's say, in new plants or equipment or technology or intellectual property, the overwhelming share of corporate borrowing in response to the Bernanke-Yellen interest rate uh, suppression, as we call it, was to uh, borrow from Wall Street and buy in their own stock. So the the price of the stocks went up. Yeah. So, so what I'm saying is it never got out of the canyons of Wall Street. The right. Fed was trying to put this money into Main Street. Households couldn't uh, borrow much more, so it didn't get to Main Street so, through the households. So the rich and, got richer. Yeah, exactly. And the poor got poor. No, the 1% got richer. Uh, I mean, let me just give you a number on this, which I lay out in my book, and it's quite uh, dramatic. If you take the median household wealth, now this is the you know the very center household. There's 120 million households, so this is the 60 million household at that point. Uh, the average household, the 60 median household uh, in 2007, uh, on the eve of the crisis, had a net worth of $120,000, which isn't a lot if you consider what it costs to retire, but that's what it was. Today, after all of this money pumping, after all of this so-called recovery. Uh, and this huge boom on stock uh, in the stock market, we can talk about it. The median uh, real wealth uh, of American households is eighty thousand. In other words, it's <laughs> down by nearly a third. And, and, and the one percent is up. Well, that's a third. That's nearly that's a, a third. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So wait, so, wait a minute. So, go ahead, so the median's. Uh, let me just finish this. So the median is down by a third even though the uh, uh, stock market is uh, doubled in real terms during the same period. So who got all the, who got all the winnings? 
rich. The, the answer is the 1% and the 10% that own, respectively, 40% and 85% of uh, the stock uh, in the stock market. Okay, so, so this thing was perverse. It was upside-down Robin Hood. It was done in the name of bailing out Main Street. It never got out of Wall Street. It created the greatest bubble ever in the in financial assets. That was captured by the 1% and the 10% top households. Main Street is no better off than it was in 2007 and in many ways worse off. And that's why they voted for Trump. But the uh, problem uh, but was Trump wants the Fed to keep doing more of what caused the problem. So when you go back, David, you talk about this rookie mistake that Trump made. And in, in your book, Peak Trump, you talk about had Trump on the on the campaign trail. He's saying, you know, we've got this stock bubble. We need yep. to handle it. Had he done what you said Reagan did when he took office, which was what? He said, well, we've inherited this mess yeah, instead of yeah. embracing it. Yeah, I said he really needed to have taken a page out of Reagan's playbook, and I was there, you know, and uh, ha- actually half the time and participated in writing the speeches and press releases and so forth. But he never stopped reminding the public that he that Jimmy Carter had left a huge mess on his doorstep, that Democratic policy had taken the country to the brink of ruin, and for two or three years he just preached that line over and over. He didn't take response. He didn't uh, embrace the economy he inherited because he knew it takes years and years and years to uh, you know to turn the ship of state in this $20 trillion economy. But Donald Trump, unfortunately, uh, and I'm not negative on him, as I say, I voted for him. So this is about his policy, not about him. But the problem is he's got such an overweening, gigantic, impulsive ego that if the surface really? uh, <laughs> events look like they're favorable, he embraced them, and it was like a big trap. They, you know, they, I think you know they didn't do this intentionally, but uh, you know the Fed was uh, basically saying, uh, "Here's the bubble, uh, own it if you want, uh, but it's not going to last." And of course, we've had a fairly decent correction uh, since the peak. I, you know, I identify it September 20, 2018. The market peaked, and I think it's all downhill. You know, not in a straight line, but it's uh, irregularly going downhill for many years to come, and that's going to be Trump's political problem. So, so, so one of the questions that confuses me personally is if the stock market is, if the economy is so bad, the debt is so bad, why is unemployment so low? Okay, you know, because good. a lot of, a lot of people say, "Well, he's doing a good job because unemployment is low." Now they hate him, but they're happy they have jobs and the pay uh, you know well, pay raises you know, are going. Uh, and short answer to that: wait, 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 we we're going to take hold a break. It, we're going to take a break. And I okay. also, when we come back from the break, I want to find out because there are some things Trump is doing well oh, yeah. that you think. So yeah. we want to go into that too. You're listening to the Rich Dad Radio Show with Robert Kiyosaki. Don't be like Charlie. Charlie is that do-it-yourselfer who does himself in. Do-it-yourself is good for tile and grout. It is not good for asset protection. Charlie thought he'd save a few dollars forming his LLC online. With no guidance, he did it wrong. When he sold the property, he lost thousands and thousands of dollars. He did himself in by trying to do it himself. Don't burn yourself. Use Corporate Direct to set up and maintain your LLCs and corporations. Corporate Direct is owned and operated by attorney and rich dad advisor, Garrett Sutton. Garrett wrote the bestsellers, Loopholes of Real Estate and Start Your Own Corporation. He is Robert Kiyosaki's attorney for asset protection. He and his team will do it right. Visit them at CorporateDirect.com or call 800-600-1760. Mention Rich Dad and receive $100 off your formation fee. That's CorporateDirect.com. CorporateDirect.com. What is your number one expense in life? Your number one expense, it's taxes. And I've asked the question is, how come there's no financial education in school, but why isn't there education on taxes either? You know, they tell you to save money, which is stupid. They tell you to invest in the stock market, which is stupid. But what they teach you about taxes? So here we have Rich Dad Advisor, Tom Wheelwright. We're talking about his revision for his book, Tax-Free Wealth. Welcome, Tom. Thanks, Robert. 
So what's the tax-free wealth about? What What's different this time? It's a rev- revised edition. Well, so what we did was, is we ha- this is the first major tax reform we've had in 30 years, 2017. Right. It was 86 was the last one. 86 was the last one right. back when I was in Washington, D.C. So many guys got wiped out because of that tax change. <laughs> they did. They yeah. did. It wiped out an entire industry, savings and loans. This new tax law is just as big, but in a very different way. It affects different industries. You know, the tax law is always a series of incentives. And the question is always, which incentives and which ones apply to me? And so the key to revising tax-free wealth was, what is it, what changed so much in this new tax law that we can absolutely take advantage of, I mean, seriously, the amazing incentives. For example, I mean, the bonus depreciation, for example, for real estate is unbelievable. You buy a a, a million-dollar apartment, get a $300,000 reduction or more the very first year. So if you want to make more money and pay less taxes like Donald Trump and myself, get Tom's book, Tax-Free Wealth. Log on to richdadradio.com while you listen. Now back to Robert Kiyosaki. Welcome back, Robert Kiyosaki, the Rich Dad Radio Show, the good news and bad news about money. Our special guest today is David Stockman. He's a best-selling author. He's a Washington insider. He's a former director of the Office of Management and Budget under President Ronald Reagan. So David Stockman is an insider. He wrote the book, The Great Deformation, a book I walk around with to show proudly that I read the whole thing. It's so big. But also the book called Trump, A Nation on the Brink of Ruin and How to Bring It Back. And his new book is Peak Trump. You know, has he already peaked? And the reason this show is so important, we have to know what's going to happen now. Because I don't think or it, it can't get much worse. I was talking to my friends a few days ago. I said, we're, we're basically a house of cards, and the foundation is getting weaker, not stronger. And that's what, that's why David Stockman is a guest on the show. You can listen to this Rich Dad Radio program anytime, anywhere on iTunes or Android. And you can listen to this program again because all of our programs are archived at richdadradio.com. And we archive it for one reason. It's because we're an educational program. We're not political. We're not religious. And we, we have no... Nothing to sell you. So the Rich Dad Radio program is archived so you can listen to it again, so you can learn again, because Peak Trump, the latest book by author David Stockman, crucial book, because I think, and many people think, we're at a turning point in the world economy. Will we go up or will we come down? That's the question. So listen to this radio program again at richdadradio.com. Listen to it yourself, your friends, and your families. Discuss it. And you'll understand what's going on in the world of peak Trump or MAGA, Make America Great Again. I don't know if that's happening. So our guest again is David Stockman. And we're going to answer the question, if the economy is so bad, why is unemployment so low? What is really going on? Any comments, Kim? Well, I just want to turn over to David. Why is, if the markets and the economy, and I still don't understand why, because the stock market is up, they say the economy is doing well. Um, and un- but unemployment, they say, is low. Is is it really low? Is the economy uh, really good? Well, no, I don't think the economy is good at all. I'll answer the unemployment uh, thing in a moment, uh, except to say the data put out by the BLS, the Bureau of Labor Statistics, isn't worth the paper to uh, blow it to hell. There we go. <laughs> okay. There we go. So, and, and I can give you some statistics which document that. But the idea that because the stock market's up, the economy's booming, it can be uh, refuted with a comparison that is literally startling. If I go back to late 2007, on the eve of the crisis, before we had the whole Lehman bankruptcy meltdown, subprime catastrophe, and the Great Recession, if you start right before that, uh, the uh, NASDAQ 100, which is the technology sector of the stock market where all the boom has been, you know, with uh, Facebook and Google and all the rest of them, uh, it's up 200% in that 11-year period, 200% even when you adjust out the inflation. You know, that, that is a staggering increase, 200% even if you take the inflation out of the stock from uh, two, price index. From 2007 to today. To today. Okay. On the other hand, if you look at industrial production in America, which is a good proxy for what's happening on the Main Street economy, because that's not just manufacturing, that's construction, that's energy and mining and oil and shale and uh, uh, electrical power production and so forth. It's up 
3%. Now, how do you get uh, the Main Street economy in 11 years only up 3% when Wall Street uh, is up in real terms 200%? Another statistic. During that entire period, despite what they're telling you about the unemployment rate, which, uh, you know, is an apples and oranges count, I look at labor hours employed because, you know, the BLS counts a part-time job at McDonald's 10 hours a week the same uh, as a, you know, 50-hour week job with overtime in a steel plant uh, where the worker earns, let's say, 50000 a year versus the guy you know, uh, running the hamburger stand uh, that may be making 10000 a year. In other words, you can't compare these jobs, and that's the problem. But when you look at labor hours, at least, uh, you're counting a common metric. Now, that, I bring that up because in that entire 11-year period, total increase in labor hours utilized by the U.S. economy is up by only 8%. So, again, stock market up 200%. Total labor hours put to work and uh, paychecks earned uh, up 8%. Finally, look at median household income after inflation. And this goes to your wage uh, question as well. It's up 0% from 207 to the present time. So again, 200% on Wall Street, 0% on Main Street. And even though wages are going up by 3%, inflation has been going up uh, by 2 2.5%, and there isn't very much left after inflation, given the fact that even the BLS inflation index understates what's really going on. So it's, it's, it's just more fake numbers and fake Yeah, it's, well, you know, they're, you, I, I call them, yeah, you could call them fake numbers. They're numbers that were designed to uh, reflect a Keynesian economic policy that the Fed adheres to, but it doesn't reflect the reality on Main Street. Right, so so David, when when you use the word Keynesian, do you mean printing money? Yeah, I mean printing money. I mean, the the Keynesians believe if uh, the more you borrow, the wealthier you are, the more the uh, government uh, injects into the economy, even if it's just borrowing money, from future generations, uh, it's all making things better. So, I reject that, and that's why we're in such a great crisis today. So, 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 so David, let me ask you this, because we're speaking about Trump. You know, when, what did you think of the shutdown over the wall and the ba- and all this thing about the budget, and yeah. what's really well, going on? Well, I, first of all, I think he wasted a great crisis. In other words, I, I'm not opposed to a government shutdown if you use it as leverage to try to get the budget doomsday machine under control. And by that, I mean the entitlements run on year after year without any congressional uh, action. So uh, we're going to go bankrupt through the automatic entitlements unless someone throws the rocks into the gears and tries to stop the system. And the only way you can do that is leverage the debt ceiling. And if you have to shut down the government, do it. But that isn't what happened here. Instead, he was trying to build this wall. I'm sorry. I don't agree that the wall it makes any sense. is necessary. I think it's a big waste of money. It's a total delusion. But he shut down the government, which is something that gives him leverage for something we didn't need and actually is going to add to spending. But you said something that a few people know. These entitlements are on automatic ratchet up, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. You can't stop them. Tr- Two and a half trillion a year at Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, uh, federal uh, pensions for military and civilian uh, employees. Uh, so we're going stamps. bankrupt. So you're you're talking about welfare state and warfare state. Yeah, yeah, that's a, and and the warfare state, and that's the other area where Trump, I think, was uh, totally. Uh, you know, mistaken, uh, went in the wrong direction. The, the warfare state already cost $600 billion. That was the defense budget. But if you put on top of that the $200 billion we have to spend on veterans, but that's really just deferred cost of old wars because you end up with uh, veterans that have medical care and income support for life. And if you add to that the cost of uh, all our security assistance, foreign aid, 
operations of the State Department, Voice of America, all the rest of it, I, I want to tell you, it adds up to one trillion a year. So now listen to this. You got one trillion of warfare state spending, and it keeps going higher. And Trump has added a hundred billion uh, to that already. You have the welfare state at two point five trillion on automatic pilot. All these entitlements, and then you have a twenty-two trillion national debt and rising rapidly. That will create. Uh, interest costs, which is also automatic, unless we want to default and cause the whole world to, you know, uh, go to hell in a handbasket. It's going to hit a half a trillion a year uh, soon, this coming year, and be a trillion a year uh, a few years down the road. Now, that is a doomsday machine when you're spending a trillion on interest from stuff you already borrowed and uh, wasted years ago. Two and a half trillion on the welfare state and a trillion on the warfare state. That's the swamp, okay? And the problem is Trump really has not effectively taken on any of it. He is the spending level was for the whole budget was 3.9 trillion when he came in. It's going to be 4.5 trillion this year. It's going up just like it always did. So we're going bank. The U.S. is going bankrupt. Yeah, yeah, and we're doing, we're going back, we have been for a long time, but what's new, and that's what people really need to understand, is that for many years the Fed was easing uh, the pain because it was buying up all this treasury debt that was being issued to fund the deficit. And so, therefore, it created the illusion of a free lunch. In other words, you could have big deficits. It didn't hurt interest rates. It didn't uh, squeeze out uh, private investment. That was what I learned as a young uh, congressman in the 70s and in the Reagan administration in the 80s, that if the deficit gets out of control, uh, there's only so much savings available. Uh, you, uh, The government gets first dibs, obviously. It's got the sharpest elbows and the best right. credit, and you you squeeze out uh, everyone else, and that causes private investment to fall, uh, businesses to be hurt, the private sector uh, to be uh, undermined, and that's what caused people to understand you couldn't just run these giant deficits year in and year out. So but the Fed stepped in, and we talked about it before, after 1971, and Nixon taking us off the gold standard, which was a uh, built-in discipline. Fed stepped in and started buying. Now, here's a number that will startle you. When Greenspan took over, and he's the real villain, and then the rest of them only did what he did and doubled down on it. But when he took over in 1987, the balance sheet of the Fed was $200 billion, and it had taken about 84 years to build it up from when the Fed opened in 1914. At the peak uh, of QE a couple years ago, the balance sheet was 4.5 trillion. In other words, it went from 200 billion to 4.5 trillion. You know, that's 4.3 trillion of money they printed in 30 years to buy up treasury debt and make it easier to run deficits. Right. So, so okay. David, so David, David, you know, but this no, is. No, they're not doing that. Right. Now right. we're at the end of that. I yeah. understand, David, but this, well, look, we're speaking over the head of me. Okay. And my audience here, because okay. the numbers hurt us because I can't count to 10 anyway. So the <laughs> okay. point here is this, okay? Yeah. So the point here is this, because you talk about something I talk about all the time, is the baby boom generation is the first generation really without a pension, because it went from, that's when the 401k kicked in. But, right. we, but we also have, you know, state pension plans like CalPERS, which is California State Employee Pension Plan which is underwater $1 trillion. So if, I, if you are a government employee in California or you're a resident of California right now and you knew that millions and millions of baby boomers are gonna to start to collect from their retirement plan, are they gonna make it? I mean, if, if, I was an, uh, if I was an employee of CalPERS right now, I'd be wondering if the government can pay for it because a state government cannot print money. And the Fed, well, wait, 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 one more thing. So yeah. if I'm a taxpayer living in California, am I going to pay for those retirees? That, those are the questions. We've got we to get down to the, you know, the brass tax, you and me. 
Yeah. Well, I think you, you've, you've identified the elephant in the room. Uh, what's going to happen is the state can afford these pensions. I mean, when you look at uh, the, the future projections, uh, and it's just not CalPERS, it's nationwide. State and local pensions are underfunded by 3 or $4 trillion, and it varies from state to state as to what their constitutions say about the priority of pension obligations versus other government programs. But the two things that are going to hit, get hit really hard, besides the pensioners who are going to face possible uh, restructuring of their plans or reduction what, what of their What that benefits. means is states like New Hampshire cut their pensions. Yeah, well, some states can, and some states will right. try, and they'll be taken to court by the public employees union, and then it'll be right. fought out in court, and who knows what will happen. So let's, but so, so, you so, can't square the circle. Taxpayers in these states are going to get hit with whatever bill the courts decide has to be paid, and people who use services provided by the state are going to suddenly find that services have been sharply reduced because the money had to be reallocated to whatever the courts say uh, is going to be needed for the pension. So, so we're going to be in a big, big mess that's only going to get worse as the baby boom retires. That's state and local, what you're talking about with uh, CalPERS, etc. But federally, it's the same thing. Right. I so, mean, yeah, yeah. You, so, but uh, let's let's. When you, when you speak yeah. about the – let's speak to the guy on the ground. If you are yeah. a resident of California right now and you were, let's say, a teacher in California right now, what would David Stockman say to them about their future? Well, I think there is a risk that when the uh, rubber really meets the road that uh, there will be some kind of forced settlement that comes out of the courts in which uh, everybody uh, takes – the pain. In other words, uh, employee benefits get restructured or cut back, taxes get raised, and services get reduced. There is no other way to do the math when you're $4 trillion in the whole nationwide and a trillion or so, as you say, yeah. uh, in California. So, so the baby nobody, boomers are... Nobody can count on anything. Okay. Right. So, yeah. so the point here, the, point, the big point here is this. The Fed can print money, borrow money, do what it does, but states cannot. Is that... That's that's absolutely that, right. And that's, that's the big difference. The, and that's why the real debt problem at the end of the day is at the federal level, because even the Fed can't print forever. They'll blow up. You know, if they tried to do this in, in large magnitude uh, for decades and decades, you'd blow up the whole system. Uh, but they've recognized that they went uh, too far, too long, and that's why in October 2017, and I just think the the date needs to be circled in red on everybody's calendar. That's when the Fed finally said, after 30 years, we're not going to be buying any more bonds. We're going to be selling them. Quantitative we're going to be tightening. Tightening. That, so, so, I, well, I don't know how to say this, but we, your, your latest book is Peak Trump. And um, if you had a crystal ball right now, how much time have we, has Peak Trump got? Uh, well, we're, he's in the downslope already. In other words, I say September 20, 2018, when the great bubble, uh, the, the Trump bubble finally peaked, that was, uh, that was the uh, peak. That, and it's all downhill from here. And I think as we get into the next uh, budget crisis, which is coming up. And this is, bigger, and this is bigger than the shutdown we just came through. Oh, right? no. Yeah, the shutdown was just like spring training for what's going to come uh, with the debt ceiling. And the Democrats are going to be out for blood, and they're going to try to force Trump to uh, put all kinds of and new money into their programs. He's going to try to put money into his uh, sacred wall. It is going to be one horrendous. Mess. It's going to last all spring and summer. It's going to scare the hell out of everybody, even on Wall Street. And uh, that's when uh, I think uh, the uh, day of reckoning is going to begin in the next and, uh, uh, 12 months. And so, David, is that why uh, socialism is rising here? You know, Kamala yeah, well, Harris and AOC. Risk. That's another risk. When when people see the size of this deficit, and then the shock in the bond market, and then uh, Washington finally is forced to do something about the deficit, uh, they're gonna the liberals and Democrats are going to want to soak the rich. Yep. Okay. So, yeah. so yeah. And and that's then, our that's that's our proposal right now: free health care, tax the rich. Yeah. It's already no, that, it's, it's socialism. 
absolutely. And it would only make matters worse. And But what it will do is create a massive blow to confidence in Wall Street, because these guys down there are just uh, oblivious to the the storms that are coming up the sell uh, 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 a quarter, as I call it, uh, from Washington towards Wall Street. Um, so, so, David, David, we're, we're out of time. I'd love to. Can, would you come back again? I love talking to you, man. Okay. Yeah, because we, we're, we're an educational program. We're not yeah. political. We're not religious, and we don't take money. You know, Trump's a friend. Yeah. Yeah. I voted for him. You voted for him. But I think we're speaking to the American public now. We better wake up and smell the coffee. Final yeah, words, right. Kim. Well, I did want to go into, but we'll have to. You're, you're going to have to get his get uh, David's book, Peak Trump. I wanted to go into what Donald was doing correctly, but uh, I don't think it really matters all that much right now. But read Peak Trump and find out because he was doing some things well, and he Absolutely. just kept, kept getting just stomped on. He was he was trying to roll back the empire. We can't afford to be a global empire and global policeman. And he is trying to get us out of Syria. And he's trying to do a deal with Korea, which I think is the right thing. And he wanted to uh, withdraw from NATO, which we should have. It's uh, you know it's obsolete. The Cold War ended thirty years ago. He wanted to do all those things, and they stopped him at every turn. Yeah. So the good things he's trying to do, they stop. Uh, the bad things he's doing, they want to. They want more of. So uh, you know, it's, <laughs> not, it's not a. Win, it's not a winning competition. Hey, no, hey David. No, it's not. David, keep up the good fight, man. Yeah. Keep Alrighty. up the good fight. Thank you. Thank you, David. Okay. Thank Great you. To be with you. You too. Right, thank you. Okay. And we come back. We're going to a more popular part of our program, which is Ask Robert. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Rich Dad Radio Show with Robert Kiyosaki. Don't be like Charlie. Charlie is that do-it-yourselfer who does himself in. Do-it-yourself is good for tile and grout. It is not good for asset protection. Charlie thought he'd save a few dollars forming his LLC online. With no guidance, he did it wrong. When he sold the property, he lost thousands and thousands of dollars. He did himself in by trying to do it himself. Don't burn yourself. Use Corporate Direct to set up and maintain your LLCs and corporations. Corporate Direct is owned and operated by attorney and rich dad advisor, Garrett Sutton. Garrett wrote the bestsellers, Loopholes of Real Estate and Start Your Own Corporation. He is Robert Kiyosaki's attorney for asset protection. He and his team will do it right. Visit them at CorporateDirect.com or call 800-600-1760. Mention Rich Dad and receive $100 off your formation fee. That's CorporateDirect.com. CorporateDirect.com. Your financial education continues. Now back to Robert Kiyosaki and the Rich Dad Radio Show. Welcome back, Robert Kiyosaki, the Rich Dad Radio Show, the good news and bad news about money. And once again, I want to thank our very special guest today, David Stockman. He's a best-selling author, Washington Insider. And, he, and when, it, when, when I mean inside, he was inside. He was next to Reagan and the Reagan Revolution, which pulled America out of very serious financial problems. You know, it was, we had inflation going, I mean, interest rates at 20-something percent, and everything was going to hell. So it was David Stockman who was there when, when Reagan did what he had to do with, I think, Volcker and change the whole U.S. economy. So Stockman knows what he's talking about. He's the author of the latest book, Peak Trump, The Undrainable Swamp and the Fantasy of MAGA, which is Make America Great Again. Uh, he voted for Trump, he likes Trump, but he says Trump is a rookie right now, he's getting hammered. His, uh, his book prior to that was Trump, A Nation on the Brink of Ruin and How to Bring It Back. Doesn't sound likely. And the book I loved was The Great Deformation, The Corruption of Capitalism in America. You need a boat anchor? This is the book. But I tell you what, this this book will open your eyes. It's exactly what David was talking about, is what happened when the Fed started quantitative easing or printing money. And David's website is davidstockmanscontracorner.com. Once again, you can listen to the Rich Dad Radio program anytime, anywhere on iTunes or I, or Android, and all of our programs are archived at richdadradio.com. Please go to richdadradio.com, replay David Stockman's interview because we're an education company. If you listen to you listen to David Stockman one more time, you'll learn twice as much. And the most important thing is get your friends, family, and especially business associates to listen to this interview with David Stockman, especially live in California or Illinois, because you, your pensions are about to explode with the rest of the U.S. economy. So once again, you can listen to this radio program, go to richdadradio.com, 
And now you can submit your questions to Ask Robert at richdadradio.com. Ask Robert is where you get to ask the time to ask me a question. Final comments on David, Kim. Um, well, I, I just think David nailed it when he said that Trump, when he was campaigning, said, you know, we got this bubble. We got to fix it. It's a mess. We're the, the, the nation's in a mess. And he got elected. And then his ego just could not not allow him to take credit for the stock market going up and everything that he should be not embracing. And he said he could have taken a, a piece out of Reagan's playbook, which said, hey, I've inherited this mess. We need to fix this mess and just stay on point with that. Then maybe something could have really happened here. But he had to take credit for things that were good. And uh, so I, I just think he nailed it. The ego just would not allow him not to take credit. And uh, David Stockman says he voted for Trump. I voted for Trump. I voted I've written, for Trump. I've, I've, written two, I've written two books with a guy. And if it wasn't such a serious problem, it'd be funny. You know, this this thing is a comedy show as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> but we're in serious trouble. Yes, we are. But anyway, I'm, please listen to the, the Rich Dad Radio program again with David Stockman. I think you're – because he, he went into very, very high-level stuff about the bond market versus the stock market versus the economy and unemployment. And those things are very sophisticated, heady types of level of economy that most, I would say, 99% of people have no idea and what I he was talking about. And I think 99% of the people think that it's going to somehow miraculously be fixed. And no, even raising taxes is going to fix this. That's what, that's what they're going to do. And Tax if you look at David's statistics and listen to the show again, how the bottom 90% are, have gone down where the top 1% have gone up, um, it's just – it's. It's not going to get better. Right. And that's why the Rich Dad, Rich Dad, Poor Dad book was what the rich teach their kids about money and the poor and middle class do not. And lesson number one in Rich Dad, Poor Dad is rich don't work for money. Anybody working for money is getting hammered today. Yes, they are. They're getting hammered. It's really, really sad. Well, if you have a 401k or a state pension plan, you're in very serious trouble today because they, printed, they started printing money in 1971. So I'm going to ask Robert. Melissa, what's the first question for Ask Robert? Our first question today comes from Ryko in Michigan. Favorite book, Cash Flow Quadrant. He says, Robert, you explained the difference between bad debt and good debt. Which one is our national debt and why? It's a fantastic question because as if you're paying attention to the news, as all of this, you know, from Kamala Harris and AOC, you know, they say, let's just tax the rich, mm -hmm. 70% tax mm -hmm. if you make over $10 million. The definition of bad debt or good debt is who pays for it. You see, Kim and I borrow money, like we, we may borrow $20 million to buy an apartment house, but we don't pay for that debt, our tenants pay for it. So when we have a national debt, the question, who pays for it? Well, the working class pays for it. Yes, through you see taxes. When, you see what AOC and Kamala Harris and the rest of the Communist Republic are talking about is they want to tax the rich. You're making $10 million a year, sports fans, which is a 70% bracket. You're smart enough to hire tax advisors and the rich don't pay taxes. If you understand that, you're smart enough to know that if I'm making $10 million a year, I can afford to pay $200,000 a year for a smart tax advisor. And so all of these guys, these socialists, I'm sure they're good people. They're very, I'm sure they're kind mean well, they want free health care, free manicures, free pedicures for everybody, free food, free gasoline, you know, tax the rich because they're going to pay for it. I think they're on la-la land. Well, it's happening in California right now. They, they want to keep taxing the rich and the rich are leaving. So <laughs> there's there's a lot of options for the rich if, they, if it goes that way. And it's going to come back down to the middle class and the poor, especially the middle yeah. class. They're going to get stuck with this tax bill. So the national debt, the question, it's good debt. If you don't pay for it, but it's bad debt if you pay for it, and the poor and middle class are going to pay for it. You pay for it in sales taxes, highway taxes, tax on the I think the seventy six different taxes that everybody pays. But when it comes to income tax, the rich aren't rich enough to hire tax advisors. That's why we have Tom Wheelwright on here called Tax Free Wealth. If you want to find out how the tax, how the rich do not pay taxes, get Tom's book. But don't get angry. Get educated. So what if, Robert, what if, because we've had guests on the show like Richard Duncan, who talks about if you're going to, if you're going, if the government's going to have debt, then if you're going to spend money, then spend it where there's production, spend it on, on 
things that create yada, 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 create yada, money, yada, 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 then it could yada, be yada, good debt. Yada, 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 that yada, could yada, be yada. good debt. Yada, 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 Put yada. the nation back to work. Yada, 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 yada. <laughs> Never happened. Never happened, sports fans. We have, if it we, did, it could be good debt. Yeah, in, in, in theory, I want free manicures and free pedicures for everybody. I want free filet mignon and free housing and free education and free Medicare and we'll tax the rich. That I sounds don't like think, communism. I don't think that's going to happen. You know, everybody uses Venezuela, one of the richest countries in the world. They're completely bankrupt because of communism and socialism and corruption. We're not that far away, sports mm-hmm. fans. So Trump, he's, he's, it would be funny if it wasn't so serious, but he spurred all of these communists to come out of the woodwork. And they're good people. You know, we're gonna, the way we solve this problem, we're gonna tax the rich, and we're gonna give you all these benefits, like free healthcare, free manicures, free pedicures, free food. And what that does, it attracts more immigrants. And nothing against immigrants. But if you're living in some squalor and you found out across the border was you could get free healthcare, free food, free cars, free housing, free education. Free cell phones. Free cell phones. I climbed that wall too, or I swim the river. And that's what's happening. You look at what's happening all over the world. Immigration problem is driven by life, the cost of living. That's it. They're not bad people either. You think those people in those caravans from Guatemala want to leave Guatemala? No, they're being, they are being murdered over there. But they also want a better life. We, make, we, we create more free stuff. We attract more of the same. Already there was some city in New Hampshire or Vermont, they said, please stop coming. They, you know, the word got out, they had like free food or something, everybody moved there. They can't afford it. The town, the town has, I think, 6,000 people and they had 7,000 people move in for free food or something like that. I'm, I'm, not, I'm being facetious. But what happens is immigration is driven by lifestyle. They want a better life and they can't afford it. That's the big problem. So that's good debt and bad debt and national debt. Who pays for it? And everybody wants the rich to pay for it. They're never going to pay for it. Next question, Melissa. Our next question comes from David in Illinois. Favorite book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. He writes you and Kim a note. Dear Robert and Kim, thank you for all that you do. I was blown away when I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and I believe it should be taught in schools. My question is, I have just sold my house and seeing how the market is looking, I believe a correction is coming as well. I was wondering about taking my gains into tangible gold and silver while waiting for a correction, then cash it out and invest it in real estate. What's your advice on this idea? Our advice is always the same. You've got to get your own education. We're not financial advisors. We don't do that. You have to look at your income to expense ratios. You know, if you have a you have a thousand dollars coming in, how much is going out? You know, and you've got you've got to massage that. So the thing with Gold and silver is generally the, the rule of thumb and we don't recommend it as 10%. But the way I look at it is this. The question is, if David Stockman is correct and they keep printing more and more money, what does that do to the value of money? Goes down. Goes down. So that's why for the last, I mean, I mean, since Kim and I have met, all we do is buy gold. and We don't save cash. We save gold and silver. We have short-term cash, you know, for operating. But our long-term savings is gold and silver. And I want to remind people of something. Not that long ago, less than 10 years ago, gold was only 50, five, 500 an ounce. It's now 1300 while the rest of the, the purchasing power of the dollar has gone down. So just look at the charts on gold and silver and things like that. You'll find out the more we print money to pay our bills, the more valuable gold and silver gets, but the less valuable your savings become. That's what you have to know. Final words. Kim. And the and the other piece of that question is about real estate. I mean, if there is a recession, real estate could get very cheap. There could be a lot of great deals out there. But if you don't know what you're doing, you can lose a lot of money. So just because the market, real estate market crashes, if you don't have some experience in education, uh, that might not be the best opportunity for you. Right. So thank you for our questions. We're not, we don't give financial advice, but we have people who are real people. You know, my book's coming out called Fake. Fake money, fake teachers, and fake assets is coming out soon. But most people are listening to fake teachers, and that's why we're in serious, serious trouble. So once again, thank you for listening. Thank you for David Stockman. Get his book, Peak Trump. His website is davidstockmanscontracorner.com. 
and submit your questions to askrobert at richdadradio.com. Thank you for listening. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.